What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets. Just wrapped up a four-game series, a very, very long road trip out in California. 2-2 to the Giants. Didn't end the way that we wanted. Didn't end necessarily on a positive note, but there were a lot of really good things that happened in the series, in this road trip, in these games. So much to talk about. When we have four games, we always have a dense episode, but I feel like in particular with this one, a lot of it was relatively straightforward, Really excited to get going through this one with you guys. James is out in California. James, how's the uh, California weather treating you? California weather is treating me so amazingly. The last few days were just lovely. I, I was say, the whole weekend. Oh, my the, God. The weather out here has also been really, really nice. It's been like sunny and 60 with a little wind. So like at, at yeah. night, it gets a little cold, but the weather's been great. Although I don't think you're bringing back the great weather with you, it seems like. No, it looks like the weekends might might be kind of rainy, but I'm definitely bringing back, which is rare for me, some sunburn, which is crazy. Wow. I never get sunburned. My forehead was peeling. I don't remember a time in my life that ever happened, ever. A but forehead yeah. peel. That's a, that's yeah, a right? rare like, spot. Right Usually you get the nose, you get the arms, you get the shoulders. The thing that happened was, and I didn't realize it because we had I, the last time we did the episode was right after that day game against the Dodgers that I was at. I was sitting for the second half of the game, like directly in the center field sun. And I had the sun like right here on my head. And you know the way my hair kind of flops sometimes when it gets later in the day. So I had literally a tan line from my hair because like this part was like flopped down. And then the other half of my head was like burned. And, and like that day I picked up my hair and my friend was like, holy, oh my God, you have a hair tan line. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Crazy. I love that. I'm, I can't wait to get some tan lines in. Hopefully like soon it's going to be nice, hot, sunny. I need Florida Mark back a little bit because that's when I was, get, I was getting those rays. I was feeling good. Need a few more of those. But of course, we do have some Mets baseball to talk about. Before we do, make sure you guys follow us on all our social media, specifically Instagram and TikTok, because we've been putting out some killer, killer mm-hmm. content. I mean, we're doing some bangers out there. M-E-T-S-D-U-P, Metsed Up on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever social media you got, follow us there. Tons of great content going out almost every single day for you guys. You're going to want to see it. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it is, do drop us a rating, download the podcast, subscribe so that whenever a new episode comes out, because sometimes we drop a little sneaky, a little sneaky episode in the middle of the week for you if we got some interviews. And we do have a couple interviews coming up here, so uh, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. And if you want to watch a video version of this, go to the New York Mets YouTube channel. You will be able to find it there. Without further ado, let's get it started with Game 1. A lot going on this day. You had the Rangers hockey game going on. Rangers, it's now 2-1. Maybe some of you are Devils fans, some of you are Islanders fans. But here on the podcast, we're all Rangers fans. We all support the New York Rangers. So we were feeling good, and it was a great way to lead into what was a phenomenal game played by the New York Mets. The offense absolutely exploded. Pete Alonzo's bat has been crazy all year. But in the fourth inning, he really broke this one open. I mean, you just love when you have games like this where the Mets are swinging the bats as well as they have been. Pete also hits those like really special fast home runs sometimes. And that was one of them where he just gets the bat head on it and just hits it. It goes out like left field, like a second and a half. And that yeah. was beautiful. And then also another cool home run in this game was Eduardo Escobar off a lefty, hitting right-handed, hit a deep one out. I remember that there were a couple people online when the lineup dropped being upset that Brett Beatty wasn't playing against a lefty, which, I mean, yeah, that, there is something to be said there, but we all, as Mets fans, remember that Madison Bumgarner single-handedly stunted Michael Conforto's growth <laughs> like two years when, when he played against him in a day he probably shouldn't have. But I also want to shout out our little random Twitter group chat of uh, of our crew out there. Some of them were pretty pretty heartbroken that Brett Beatty wasn't in the lineup against a lefty. Then Eduardo Escobar comes up and hits a moonshot. So you love to see that. And then, and then Brandon Nimmo just staying so, 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 so hot. He's hitting he had almost 500 on this road trip. He had an RBI single off of the lefty, Sean Manaya to knock him out of the game. And I don't know if you saw this early in the game. I don't know how like quick you got to it, but early in the game, the Mets hit, I think, like two line drives off Sean Manaya in the first inning, which is something I'd never seen. He was like literally a pitcher wall. Also, Sean Manaya has gained. He, the dude's a unit. So much I didn't realize yeah. he was that big. The jersey was looking ever so snug on him, uh, and the, the Mets were hitting him early. Like, Sean Manaya as a pitcher, is whatever, right? Is that fair to say? I think um, Sean Manai is doing that thing that we've seen a lot of pitchers do in years past where you go from an organization that knows nothing to an organization that knows a good amount, and then you're able to kind of figure things out a little more. I heard him do an interview in the offseason on The Athletic that um, basically that he, he'd he never used weighted balls or really trained with very much like heavy weight in his life. What? Yeah, so this offseason, he just did it, and that's how he got like an easy three miles an hour on all of his pitches. He's never thrown. I've thrown with weighted balls, and I didn't even pitch. There you go. Well, that was that's how Sean Manai has gotten himself from being – Pretty not good to almost okay. <laughs> almost okay, yeah. Sanga was on the mound for us in this one, too. Kind of a, something that we've now seen a few times with Kodai Sanga. First two times to the order, pretty easy. 
Third mm-hmm. time through, definitely ran into some trouble. But he's also, and I'm, I'm going to make excuses because I, I love Kodai Senga. And I, what we see, like that top end stuff has been incredible. Like that makes you go like, oh boy, there, there's something special cooking here. Third time through the line has been a little more difficult. But he's had the weird scenarios where he's had incredibly long innings right before he goes out for that fifth inning. And it does seem like something gets a little off kilter, throws him off a little bit, and he has a hard time getting back. Like, I don't want to say focus, but back in the groove of things. For sure. And you, we had this conversation off air, like kind of prepping the episode a few days ago. And you made that point. I think it was a really good one because I saw Kodai Senga do something. I believe it was in Oakland that I had never really seen a pitcher do in my life. And that's in the yeah. middle of an inning, run out to the bullpen and throw the ball around. And that does come from having a couple of these starts in a row. The Mets offense just goes off for him. And then he has a long break. But it is something to talk about here that Kodai Senga, a few games in a row, has hit the same wall in the fifth inning. Coincidentally, the third time around the batting order. That inning started off with Blake Sable. This wasn't the third time around the other yet. This was ninth batter, second time through. He had a long home run off of Kodai Senga fastball. And then Lamont Wade, third time through, back-to-back home runs also off that fastball. And then they had a little bit rally with some walks. I think there was a hit or two, the wild pitch that scored the run. And you're kind of just feeling like this keeps happening in Kodai Senga. And we, I think, kind of cautioned everyone as we were coming into the season that Kodai Senga was going to have these high highs. There are also going to be some lows. There's going to be a major adjustment period. We're worried about the third pitch coming around. We have kind of seen that a little bit with the sweeper and the cutter, but the fastball and the ghost fork were the only pitches in this start against the Giants to get whiffs. And they had four and five each. Like these pitches were getting lots of swing and misses. They look great, especially those first time through. But the sweeper, which is the pitch that we've been pointing to a lot, saying this is the one, it looks good. It has all the right physics, has good velocity, good movement. This is the one that's going to make the difference. It didn't get any whiffs, and Giants hitters did not chase it once. Okay, yeah, and that's something to keep an eye on. And I feel like, too, in this game, Giants hitters were especially aggressive early in counts because they talked about how Kodai Senga sometimes has fallen into a little bit of a habit, it seems like, of it's going to be fastball first pitch, then either cutter, sweeper, second pitch, and then whenever he gets to two strikes, he leans on that ghost fork ball, which, as we know, is absolutely disgusting and still is disgusting. But it seemed like the Giants hitters had a plan coming into this game of we're going to try and jump on that fastball and that and that cutter or sweeper so we don't have to see the ghost fork because we're not we're not going to hit it. It's just not a pitch that we're going to hit well. And we told you guys that last uh, two episodes ago after the A series that Kodai Sango was throwing that fastball a lot the first pitch. I think at the time or that game against the A specifically, I think it was I want to say it was like eight out of like fourteen batters or something through the first pitch. So this mm-hmm. is a pitch that he is throwing a lot in the first pitch, and then. You kind of take a step back now. Carlos Sang has made a handful of starts against a lot of different kinds of teams. And we've seen this third bat, third time through the order trend come up a little bit. And part of that is just because he is so good those first two times around the order, just to put it in context for you guys. He's faced 72 batters so far this season, first and second time around the order. He's given up five earned runs, has 20 strikeouts, and eight walks. It's filthy. Then, then you just take the third time through the order, 22 batters faced, also five earned runs, five strikeouts and six walks. Yeah. So it's just clear that there is, there is something here. There's an impasse here that's stopping Kodai Sanga from going to this guy who's pretty good. Who's going to have these like high strikeout rates with some high walk rates, kind of keep runs down a little bit, but probably still be a true value, true talent, like three, eight, four, O ERA guy for a full season, in major league baseball, get past that, get past that threshold. And that's where you find it. That's going to come with experience. going to come with some time, probably going to come with another adjustment. Still love Kodai, but there's definitely something, we should keep an eye on. And again, it's his fourth start in his major league career. We know that the game is very different here than it was in Japan. We know that the ball is very different than it was here in Japan. Even in the broadcast on Sunday night, they were talking about the difference in baseball because I think Eduardo Perez played in Japan at one point in his career. And they were talking about how the baseball in Japan is even just softer, that the the, the major league baseball feels like a rock. It's so hard compared to what the ball is in Japan. It affects you know grip. It affects everything. It affects how the ball bounces off the bat. It's all an adjustment period, all learning, but there's definitely been so many great moments or little like sparks where you're like, oh, with Kodai mm-hmm. Senga, now it's just getting over that hump because that's like the difference between being like a very good pitcher or being like an elite pitcher like we see is through the first two times in that order. Definitely. And you got to just respect the fact that this team did pick him up behind a bad fifth inning. Jeff oh, Neal awesome. immediately responded with a home run coming off an awesome road trip. The offense went off later in the game, built a cushion that we could chill. And then the bullpen was nasty in this game. Something we've been saying about the bullpen for a really long time, this entire season, basically. They threw four innings after Kodai went out and only gave up two hits, no walks, no earned runs. Yeah. Drew, Drew Smith, again, we, he, we know he did blow the game on Sunday, but we'll talk about that later. He had a great outing. Jeff Brigham, who had the... the uh, they, you, you, you guys, you guys know. Jeff, I want to just even talk about this for a second. Jeff Brigham finished that second inning on Sunday, and I got tagged in like 25 tweets. Oh, yeah. And nothing that's ever happened to me until there before. It was incredible. Every time I see a Jeff Brigham tweet, because I see you Mets fans out there, and I see you Mets reporters, and I see you Mets people... 
You're not listening to the Mets podcast intently enough. That's what I'm learning is uh, the real ones and the fake ones out there because the real ones know that Mr. James Shiano has been all over Jeff Brigham from the second, the second that the Mets signed him to a minor league deal or whatever it was. As soon or they traded for him technically, right? Mm-hmm. I think I was even on it like last offseason when he might have even been a free agent when the Dodgers signed him. Like, oh, this could be a guy the Mets could bring in like low-key for all our, Met, our Mets sub-lifers. Him and Adam Conley, that could be the, the righty-lefty mix this bullpen needs to get through. But this Thursday night was a great game. This was also one of those really fun games where, you know, Ronnie's not with the Mets in a certain part of a road trip and Keith was. And <laughs> Keith and Gary, when the game gets late... When the game gets out of hand late at night, they will just start talking about anything. Keith's oh, brother yeah. was like hanging around the booth and he was like, where'd my brother go? Like in the middle <laughs> of the broadcast, it, it was 420 and they were like talking about that, which was kind yeah. of hysterical. Like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. What are you doing? It's like they just these guys have so much fun for these blowouts at West. It's awesome. Yeah, you really do learn. I, I don't want to say learn to appreciate, but like these these are the type of games where you like go, oh, man, we really do have the best guys in the booth. Like, yeah, during the games, they're on top of everything like. They're some of the most knowledgeable guys in all of baseball when you're talking about like, you know, doing play by play and color commentary. But then they whenever like they get like that, those free little moments and they can just freestyle a little bit. You're like, oh, these guys like I want to hang out with these guys. I want to have a beer with Keith Hernandez or whatever it would be. Smoke a cigar. It's also these two. Ronnie's there. He keeps everyone in line. You know, Ronnie's the Ivy. Ronnie's the Ivy guy. He's, you know, he's, he's sharp. He's pitcher. He goes to all these other networks. He's big baseball mind. When these two guys can get funky themselves, like it's a it's a different animal. Think about like, okay, so obviously Gary Cohen, fan of both, I'm sure, like because he was a Mets fan, lifelong guy. But like think about like when he just gets to hang out with Keith Hernandez in the in like the booth. He's like, I'm hanging out with Keith Hernandez, joking about what's going on, like making jokes, crap, like back and forth. Like, this is a pretty good life to have. Keith also being from like Northern California. Is he he's from Northern California, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He probably knows all the spots around the city and the bay itself. So they probably get a nice lunch those days, probably get a nice bar, have a nice glass of whiskey. Like it's it's awesome. It's I love hanging with these guys get weird. And this game, Thursday game one was great, especially yeah. coming off those wins against the Dodgers, off the sweep of the A's. Like that was the win you're like, oh, we're taking this West Coast trip right now. Yes, we were ready to roll. We had the the meme, the sign guy meme ready to go, but it was a little bit too late that day to actually post it. So we saved it for the next game, game two, which we can talk about now because game two again, I mean the bats came alive at one point, but the real story of this game has to be friend of the podcast, Mr. Joey Fuego, Joey Lucchese, having the best start of the year, hands down, by a Mets starting pitcher this season. Uh, we love Joey. Didn't expect that to come from him off of his first start off of, you know, Tommy John surgery, first start back at the majors. And he was just phenomenal. He was disgusting. He had giant hitters in a tizzy. Major tizzy. Joey Lucchese, we got to... Shout this out for a second, because if you guys listen to our interview with him in spring training, he said he had massive butterflies for an intra-squad game. Yeah. And this was a game in the regular season with his entire family in attendance, which he said he never, ever does. But this was a special occasion because this was his first appearance since June 18th, 2021. Ew. Imagine June 18th, 2021. I think like, I don't even I can't even imagine how different my life was then. I mean, we were still doing the podcast independently. We were not we just with, started doing it. We were not with the New York Mets. I would love to. I'm going to go onto the podcast channel while you look, while you talk more about yeah. Joey Lucchese and try to figure out exactly what episode we were even doing around that time. Yeah, right. But June 18th, July 18th, what'd you say? June 18th, 2021. It was against the Washington Nationals. So it's probably okay. a national series. I okay, hope yeah. it did well against because it was the Nationals 2021. Actually, you know, Trey Turner was still on that team. They're probably, and Max Scherzer, they're probably actually okay then. But they could, they could have done well. That seems like it was rather around that series where they actually made the meme about Francisco Lindor on their Twitter. That might have ignited him for like one of his first hot streaks. Yes. Met. And the guy who wrote the article, the stupid article, what's his name? I know you hate him. Oh my God. What was his name? Did you forget? I definitely forgot. He's so irrelevant. He's yeah, he's a, relevant, but he wrote yeah. this stupid article about dumb dumb stats that don't matter, about yeah, why yeah. Francisco Lindor is not good. And then, uh, oh, look what Francisco Lindor's done since then. He's been incredible. Oh man, I gotta find that. I'll find that later. But Joe Lucchese was just completely in control all night. And a big theme for the Mets so far this season has really just been starting pitching, not really giving them the length that you would really want out of a pitching staff, especially early, especially one that came in with as much regard as the Mets. And he just didn't even waver for a second. No giant reached second base after Wilmer Flores had a double, the second batter of the game. His churve was completely churvin. He threw it 61% of the time. He got six whiffs and a ridiculous 19 called strikes. A team like the Giants, who is so information based and so like so prepared, I feel like for every normal pitching outing, just not seeing that pitch for two years, not really having any idea what it was going to be, what it was going to look like, I think really played into Lucchese's favor. And he also had the curve and the color supplementing it well. The defense was really good. Like this was just one of those clean, classic, incredible Mets wins. And you, you we talked about the interview we did with Lucchese. If you guys don't 
know about it. We we did an interview with Joey Lucchese. Go check the our podcast feed in the New York Mets YouTube channel. But he talked about the usage of that cutter too with us. Like, what have you been working on? And he was like, I'm really excited about this cutter pitch. And it was really effective against these giant hitters. Again, might be the first time that they're seeing it. But the fact that he told us about this pitch that he was working on and then getting to use it in real life in a very meaningful game and it work, that's like really cool to hear from our side at least. Definitely. We've seen a lot of pitchers with the Mets and across baseball have success using that color as a pitch to supplement their normal secondaries against opposite-handed batters. And the Giants stuff their lineups opposite-handed batters every single game. You guys saw it every game this series. Whenever the Mets change pitching, three new Giants hitters will come up for a fresh inning. It's ridiculous what they do, but you have to respect it because they're getting every advantage they can without a very talented roster. And that color was a huge deal, them being able to, him being able to get those righties out second, third time through the batting order. 100%. And the offense, of course, showed up in this one, too, because the Mets end up winning this game 7 nothing, which is always just so so nice and calming and relaxing because, like, the first inning was a little bit close with, like, Joey. He had some moments where, like, oh, boy, like, that, that hung one. Yeah. But then from there on, he was cruising. And like we said with the Mets offense, I think, what, everybody except Francisco Alvarez in this game had a hit, and Francisco mm-hmm. was hitting the ball hard still. Uh, the yeah. offense was phenomenal between Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonso hitting another home run in this game, having another four RBIs in this game. Jeff McNeil, Mark Hanna, Dan Vogelback. I mean, everybody was swinging it. Shout out one more. Luis Guillermo, four hard hit balls in this game. Yes. He's actually swinging the best bat of his entire career right now. We, we need the sign. We need the sign guy. The Mets, Mets lineup, lineup is, is good. good. The Mets, the Mets lineup, lineup is, is good. good. Dude, and like, again, to bring it back to, you know, game four, national baseball, say what you want about the ESPN broadcast, but that does kind of give you a little bit of a sense of like what the the national scope of baseball is and like what people are thinking nationally because we're so hyper-focused on the Mets. But they're like, yeah, Mets have a great lineup. Like the Mets have a very strong lineup. But if you ask a lot of Mets fans, they would tell you the complete opposite and they'd tell you there's a ton of holes, even though me and you both know it's not true. One to nine, it's a very strong lineup in baseball. There's no doubt. I mean, also, Mets fans will all say that about the Mets bullpen, which has been pound for pound one of the best in baseball so far of this course. season. I think that's just the curse of like watching a team every single day. You kind of you kind of wish and expect perfection, but it's hard to get. I also want to shout out one more cool thing that happened in this game. We talk about how work the bullpen has been, how long the season is. Everyone remembers. Everyone knows we got 162. We're not even that. We're, we're not even a quarter of the way through yet. Like, there's a long. No, no we're not even close. We're barely, we're barely a fifth of the way through. And <laughs> we had a really nice two out rally in this game in the ninth to stretch the lead from four to seven and bunk mentioned specifically that hits two out hits by Francisco Lindor and Brandon will start that rally ops order Nimmo then Lindor because that's how the batting order works got the Mets the cushion they needed so Tommy Hunter could pitch in ninth inning instead of David Robertson David Robertson also yeah he, he wound up not pitching a serious nice nice weekend off for David Robertson but was cool that especially that buck mentioned this firsthand like how all these different aspects of the team are working with each other to kind of save everybody and one stat that we're from Johnny Stats. You know, Johnny Stats hasn't really proven not many stats from Johnny Stats recently, but Pete Alonso became the fourth player in Mets history with f- at least four RBIs in consecutive games, joining Carlos Beltran, Robin Ventura, and as John says, I quote, my boy Lucas Duda. My boy Lucas Duda, yeah. Pete did have the the lead in MLB or in home runs in Major League Baseball. Max Muncy now hit number 11, I believe, on Sunday. But Pete has 23 RBIs on the year, which is what, top, top 10 in baseball. He's number two in home runs. If you're looking at OPS, I mean, Pete's right up there. He's having a phenomenal, phenomenal start to the season, even with an offer in game four. Just just simply one of the best hitters in baseball. Yeah, can I also drop a couple stats about the Mets offense because I just found a few? Yeah, hit, hit, a, hit a couple stats for me. Uh, I'll actually make you guess. I, we haven't done many guesses okay, in yeah. the podcast. Those are always fun. fun. Those are always great for the listeners. What rank do you think the Mets are in run scored in Major League Baseball this season? Like run all the teams scored. in the league. What out of 30? I'm going to say 11. Seventh. Okay, that's higher. That's higher. I was yeah, going to say like bottom, good. top third. What do you think they are in Woba? Woba. I'm going to say 12. 10, yeah. Okay, okay. Good. But like an upper an upper third offense. Yeah. Well, who would have thought know. that? Crazy. Yeah, can't even imagine. And that's what the Mets having one of the worst batting averages as a team in all of baseball. Oh, 100%. Like this, yeah. this lineup hasn't really even gotten going, and they're still playing really, really well. And you saw it in these first two games. Of course, the next two, the Mets don't win. But no. there's some other things to talk about, too. It wasn't like it was the offense didn't show up. We did have, have some troubles on the mound here yeah. in game three. Unfortunately, our guy, David Peterson, struggled again. Although we, we said he didn't pitch bad against the Dodgers. He just got, like, weirdly unlucky. But this game, Peterson definitely did struggle a bit. Yeah, he did. And I don't know. This Peterson thing is getting weird. I feel like a lot of the fan base is kind of starting to turn on David Peterson. He's been really... he's he's We're really hoping he beats the Steven Matz allegations that have been really coming out in force recently. But 
there were just there were just things in this game where you could still look to them, just like that Dodgers game where you're like, it's so close to being good. Like, why is this not good? And sorry, I'm just taking my time here writing a timestamp. We forgot to do that so far, so we got to yeah. getting, getting the good news in there. But the big thing that happened in this game was that he gave out gave up a two out three run nuke moonshot to Brandon Crawford, the decrepit Brandon Crawford. The Brandon Crawford has played the most games as a Giant in the history of the franchise. Who Brandon Crawford? the greatest shortstop in Giants history, which feels wrong, but it's also very true. It's super true. Brandon Crawford's like an all, like an all-time Giant. Like he probably probably gets a number retired. Oh, thousand percent. He right? won three World Series, right, with them? I think he won yeah, at he, least two. He does, I think he won three. And he also grew up as a Giants fan in the Bay. He went to college UCLA. He's like never left the California coast entire life besides the minor leagues. And he's married to Garrett Cole's sister. So that's awesome, is, too. Is he really? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. But... This was, again, this was weird because David Peterson usually is so good against lefties, so tough on them. And last game against the Dodgers, he gave two big home runs to lefties. This game gave the big shot to a lefty again. This was a slider that just sat completely on a tee, spun the middle of the zone. And it sucks when things like that happen in the first inning and with two outs. And then it didn't really get better after that. Giants tacked on two more in the second behind everyone's favorite former Met, Darren Ruff and Michael Conforto. Conforto pitch was like two inches off the plate inside. And the Ruff was a like a sinker that was sat low and in, but didn't get low and in enough. And it's just like, you watch that. And then, and then one more floor is a nice home run to make it seven earned runs for David Peterson in the fifth inning. Another sinker, similar spot as rough against a righty where it looked like Peterson really wanted to try and bury it on the guy, like a little more inside or a little more low. It just kind of wasn't that beautiful sweet spot. The hitters love low and in like in the zone. And you like, look at it. And like the Crawford mistake was real. Like that was the yeah. big blow. Three run home run. That's it. That's a bad one. But the other ones were not, Necessarily bad pitches. I still don't know how Conforto hit that one. It was like two inches off the inside of the plate. It was ridiculous. But the stuff looks mostly good. He's still missing tons of bats. And something Mets fans have been harping on, especially this game, is that David Peterson keeps getting behind in the count. It wasn't true in this game. 22 first pitches. Eight were balls. 14 were strikes. He only got 2-0 in a hitter four times. He was never through, down 3-0 in this game. Yeah, so that's So he was incorrect. ahead of these counts. He was missing bats. He just, again, left too many over the middle of the plate and somehow, some way, got burned by another lefty for a home run. And this was just a hanging slider. Like, that happens. And it looks bad when it's seven earned runs, but he still struck a bunch of guys out. He's, like, really... Like, I'm really still banking on the regression monster to come and help David Peterson. He's an 18K minus walk rate, right? strikeout minus walk rate right now. That's 29th best in all of baseball. It's, like, the same as Jesus Lazardo. <laughs> just with much different batted ball luck. And again, not all of his batted ball luck. Like right now, the the, the main stat that's good for David Peterson right now is XFIP. And we've spoken off air about how much I loathe XFIP for the people yeah. at home. XFIP takes a pitcher's FIP, which is your fielding independent pitching. It's basically an amalgamation of your walks and strikeouts. And it then makes your home run rate league average. And that's not really a good thing to do. It's a good thing for some players, but some pitchers just have skill sets that are not that well, you, their home run rate should not be league average. And the way David Peterson pitches now with a lot of fastballs and sliders, he probably will run a slightly above average home run rate with baseball. So I don't like using XFIP, but that 18% strikeout minus walk rate is one of the top marks in the league. And it's where Peterson, it's near where Peterson was last year. He was pitching his best. And I really, really don't think we're that far away from Peterson ripping off a nice streak, and the Mets really need it. Yeah, hundred percent. I listen. It was a, it was a tough road trip for him. Uh, like you said, the stuff is very very good. We need him. We need David Peterson too to to be a part of this rotation. He's not going anywhere. No. He's very he he's shown us the ability to be a very very good pitcher at times. We're just waiting, like you said, for that kind of breakthrough, the positive regression. By no means have lost any faith in David Peterson whatsoever. Even again, the conversation we had with him at spring training, like the dude's like very cerebral in how he thinks about pitching. So this is just something that like a tinker here, a tinker there little Jeremy Hefner special dust, a little magic on him, and I'm, I'm sure David Peterson would be fine. Unfortunately, this one, though, it, it did not help us. Like you said, that seventh spot was just a little bit too much. The Mets did rally a little bit, especially late. They got guys on, but could only really muster up four runs um, in this one, which sometimes it's just going to happen. Sometimes you just don't score as many runs as the other team. It's possible. Yeah, and Logan Webb looked amazing in this game after we kind of talked about his struggles a little bit, which we're not going to do anymore. <laughs> that was kind of rough for us. Um, shout out Edwin Yuseta for saving the pen, going three by himself to close it. Yeah. Valiant effort by Edwin right there to give us give us a better shot on Sunday. And then uh, Beatty looked really comfortable for the first time. He I did. felt like in a little bit that batting average was starting to climb. He's not getting to the extra base hit power, but you guys are really starting to see him hit the ball hard. He hit two hard in this game. They turned into two hits. Brandon Nimmo had another home run, three more hard hit balls because he's simply inevitable. And Whiskey Orme had another another good game here. And I really want to like shout him out because he is swinging the best bat of his career right now. Same amount of strikeouts and walks so far. 33.3 hard hit percentage, which is still like in the bottom half of the league. But right now it's exactly the same as Clay Torres and Jeremy Pena, two guys who are oh. ascending middle infielders on their on their respective teams. Yeah. You Not and Clay Torres. 
Glaber got a hip flexor and he's been playing through it and he's been bad. Okay. So that would yeah. explain why the, the regression for sure. maybe for uh Glaber. Yeah. But yeah, like Gourmet Gourmet did have a really good series. He's been playing very really well uh away since we've you know been getting a little more consistent playing time. This is also the first game that Marte, I believe, was back in the lineup too, right? Mm-hmm. It was game three. Um, so it was good to see Starling Marte back and healthy and looking good. It's going to happen. Sometimes you just don't get the hits. And I do think the most important thing, Brett Bay did make an error at third base, I believe, in this one, which broke a streak, which the Mets, I think the Mets had, that was their first 22 games of the season or 21 games, whatever it was, that was the most consecutive games to start a season without committing an error in Major League Baseball history since 1900. That's Major That's League Baseball history. Ridiculous. Great defense. Great yeah. defense. And we've known this. this is stuff that we've been telling you guys. Great defense. Brett Beatty's going to figure it out at third base. And like you said, at the plate, his looks super comfortable. Even his outs looks comfortable. No, just, he looks like he's starting. To, the, what I wrote in the notes is he's learning. He's yes. very much learning. I, I think we can say the same thing about Francisco Alvarez. I think we're watching these guys kind of grow up together at the same time, which is nice because they're our two best prospects and they both look yeah. like they're going to be pretty, pretty good. But it's cool that we're getting, you know, we're getting these, these kinks out right now in the middle of April. 100%. We'll move it on to game four here. Last game of the series. The Giants got to McGill early. It was another one where the pitching just kind of let us down a little bit. And Tyler McGill, they, they kept flashing a number about his, the, the stark difference between his batting average against righties, his batting average against lefties. And in this game, he kind of just got crushed by the lefties, kind of killed by them. He could not really find a way to get them like out. Like He could get ahead. And they'd fight and fight and fight and then either work a walk or drop a hit in somewhere or hit the ball hard. And I feel like that's something that we've kind of seen, but maybe hadn't been practical or like put into practice just yet. Like we we saw Juan Soto hit that bomb off him the other day. But For McGill sure. has been great all year. This was really the first hiccup in his in his season. Yeah, it's the first hiccup, but there definitely were these like same worrying signs these other games. He wasn't really missing a ton of bats. He was kind of laboring through these innings. And it's just like it's it's with McGill. It's the same thing that we've been saying about him for years since he basically came up. That we need these secondaries to take that step. And it really feels like like the slider seems like taking a step back. The changeup doesn't really look as good as it did. The curveball actually is coming along. That was a pitch I did like what I saw from it on Sunday. But if you guys want one piece of positive vibes from McGill right now, something that actually could lead to some better performances in the future, the fastball is coming back in a big way. Yes. And Tyler McGill's fastball is his linchpin. That is the reason that he ascended so quickly in 2021. That was the thing that made him so good at the beginning of 2022. That probably is also the thing that put him on the shelf with the arm trouble. But I think the fact he's gradually working his velocity back up is a really good sign. He had a season high today in his high, uh, his fastest pitch at 97.3 miles an hour and a season high in his average fastball velocity at 95 miles an hour. And that line right there between where he started the year at 93 and a half to where he's already been in four starts, 95, that's a huge deal. That fastball was the only pitch for him that was missing bats, and he gave up a little bit of hard contact too, but really most of the damage was done on those secondaries, and we need those to show up. But as far as what is the thing that is happening, Tyler McGill is tangible, that we can look under past the results, what can mean something in the future, that fastball velocity is very important. 100%. And like we also do have to remember, it's it's weird because we saw him at the start of last year, but like he did miss a lot of time. Oh, yeah. And he's still relatively coming back from that and building his arm back up. And we always talk about like when you come back from injuries, pitcher is one of the things that is like you get velocity back quicker. Command is the thing that comes second. It does look yes. like right now McGill's command is just a little bit off. And again, it was really like the first bad outcome start that has happened this year. So again, not going to ring any alarm bells for anybody. And we did talk about how the Giants stack their lineups with the opposite hand. Yeah. So McGill has a problem with left-handed hitters early on this season. What did the Giants do? Every single lefty, including good friend uh, Jock Peterson, yeah, who, of course, game. had to make one of appearance in this series. It was kind of the difference in this game in Game 4. Uh, he also had a good good game, too. So it's going to happen. If if Tyler McGill had a perfect season, guess what? Mets would, would not be losing very many games. You'd be like, oh, Tyler McGill, Cy Young conversation. He had a great year. But like we also, that's not realistic all the time. Yeah, I think I think we've had like these weird visions of Tyler McGill as Mets fans forever because there were some people when he came up like comparing him to Jacob Degrom, which was kind of insane. And then people and not like fair either, not fair to him no, either. Super not fair to him. And then people like really trying to hammer that down like last off season before 2022. Like, is he the next Jacob Degrom? Like, of course he's not the next Jacob Degrom. There might never be another Jacob Degrom. No, not many pitchers pick up two ticks of velocity every single year from from 27 to 31. That, that's never that might never happen again. Jacob Degrom's an alien. We know that. We saw it happen live, but. I just think that this Tyler McGill also we have to keep in mind that I think it was the Mets' intention for him to still be probably pitching the minor leagues right now. Still work out these kinks down in Syracuse, still trying to figure out, get that slider right, get that curveball right, get that changeup right, find this fastball velocity, get triple-A hitters. He's been thrown into the fire because we've needed him, and he's been really valuable for us so far. CRA is still under four. He's still giving us innings. We do need them. And just 
keep patience with Tyler McGill because I still think there is a solid major league starter here. Okay, James, here we go. Now you, you mentioned him earlier. Do it. It's the it's the Brigham minute. Give me 60 seconds. Jeff Brigham has been phenomenal. We we talked about him in game, what was it, game one, right? He pitched in yeah. or game two. Uh, game four, he had probably the best outing of his of his season. Like you said, your phone was blowing up. You're getting tagged on everything on Twitter. You texted me. You you were texting me as if this was like your own son pitching in like his major league debut, and you were so proud of him. So give us I'm, the Brigham minute. I I really felt that Jeff Brigham did everything he could to bring the Mets back into this game today. He I'm sure if they would have given him that bat, he would have hit a home run. Like that's what it kind of <laughs> felt like. How well he was doing based on what people were saying to me. He. Looked so good. And this was on national television, baby. Everyone saw it. Everyone on Mets Twitter was like, who's this Jeff Brigham guy? This is a guy. You guys know, December, I was telling you about Jeff Brigham. I was telling you he's going to be a stud in this bullpen this year. It only took three weeks for him to get there. Three weeks. I thought even when he got sent down, he was only sitting 93 for a couple months. This was going to take till May, maybe June, when the Mets really pushed it up against the wall. But no, the talent shone through. The cream rises to the top. Pressure makes Diamonds. Jeff Brigham, two innings, four strikeouts. I don't even think anyone touched the ball against him. It was ridiculous. He was throwing freaking, I don't even know, what would you call those pitches out there? They were they were moving like frisbees. They were throwing frisbees out there, yes. that sweeper. He threw 32 pitches. 14 of them were those sweepers that are just are stupid. 14 of those fastballs. That, again, velocity isn't even there. That's why I even told you guys to harp on the velocity. And it hasn't gotten there. And he's still throwing it with such amazing shape at the top of the zone. You guys have no idea what's coming. And Jeff Brigham is learning. Jeff Brigham is getting better. Jeremy Hefner is sprinkling fairy dust on him because he debuted a new cutter today that he only used four times against lefties. He got two fouls, one call strike, one ball, whatever. Three out of four of them were strikes. None of them went in play. They were swinging through everything. He looks amazing. This is my guy. I'm so excited for Jeff Brigham. If you guys ever needed a reason to go to the YouTube channel and watch a YouTube video just to see James's face, he hasn't stopped smiling for that for that Brigham minute right there. He's You've been waiting for this. You've been waiting for this. Like you said, you thought it was going to maybe be May. But it's April 23rd, and you get to do the Brigham Minute for the second episode already. This isn't even the first Brigham Minute of the year. It's just the best Brigham Minute of the year. He looks incredible. Like, random people random people on Twitter who've never interacted with me were tagging me in tweets. Like, yo, Jeff Brigham, James Shannon knew. I was like, I did know. I told you guys. Dude, you're good for one random reliever a year. I'm so glad it's with the Mets this season. No, literally, I text you that. It's a miracle. Mark Mark knows from our years of living together that I will pick off one reliever every single offseason that looks like nothing. And I'll be like, He's going to be a superstar. Last year was Felix <laughs> Bautista. That, that one I hit hard. A couple years ago with the Graveman breakout. I was on the Graveman breakout before anybody. And this year was Jeff Brigham, and he is, he could be a linchpin to this Mets team in the bullpen. Oh, he could be a super, super good weapon. And like you said, he kept us close in this game, kept us in it. You saw Francisco Alvarez hit that home run that did tie the game up for us, which was great because Francisco has been struggling. There's no doubt. We're not going to pretend like he's playing well by any means. There's a lot of great things going on. Like he's still hitting the ball extremely hard when he is making outs. Like today, he grounded out into a double play early in the game with the bases loaded, but he hit the ball 110 miles an hour, which not a lot of people hit the ball that hard when they miss it. And he didn't even really square it up. So a lot of people out there I've been seeing on Twitter and just maybe this is just a little exercise in, you know, listening to Twitter and reading tweets all the time, but a lot of negativity, a lot of negativity around young 21 year old Francisco Alvarez, top prospect in major league baseball, which is a little bit insane because I don't think people have been able to really scope what's exactly going on here. I mean, we, we mentioned a couple episodes ago, uh, some numbers that sounded like they could have been Francisco Alvarez and remind those at home. Whose numbers were they, James? Yeah, I tried, tried, I tried to deke the, uh, the listeners here. I, I read off numbers for a player's first 22 play appearances of their career, and I said it was Francisco Alvarez, but I was actually lying, and it was actually Mike Trout. I got another and, one for you. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Uh, 1967, a, a rookie, rookie catcher. You might you might remember this guy. He's pretty good. Maybe, maybe the greatest catcher of all time, some would say. Uh, Johnny Bench, you've heard of him, right? Yeah, I think I got him. <laughs> Johnny Bench threw his first 26 games of his major league career, 163 average, 207 on base, 462 OPS, 26 OPS plus. He hit one home run, three doubles, a triple, and six RBIs. Guess what, guys? You can still be the greatest catcher of all time and have a bad month. Like, this is, this is baseball for a 21-year-old who is also now learning to catch a major league staff, who's dealing with a lot of pressure, I'm sure, put on himself, put on from the outside, whatever it is. I'm sure he's feeling a little bit of pressure. I will say, though, he doesn't look like he's pressing, though. The dude's been smiling. He's also caught he caught a phenomenal game in Game 4. He did an Amazing. exceptional job. Like, all the catching, whatever that's been said about him, like, I think the only thing is that he keeps the leg on the ground, but that's a thing that they do teach younger catchers now, especially to try and steal more strikes, which he did a great job of in Game 4. The catching was the thing we're worried about, and it's looked great. The hitting is going to come. He's been hitting the ball hard. He's going to start barreling it up soon. As soon as he gets more reps, more comfortable... 
if you're worried about Francisco Alvarez, what is this, 10 games into the 2023 season now for him? I mean, you're a lost cause. I don't know what we're going to do with <laughs> it. I, I don't even know how I, how I fix you because you, you probably don't want to be fixed. <laughs> he's, he's played 14 games in his major league career. 14! His cold career, last year included. That's it's ridiculous. Tw- I, I mean, some of the tweets, uh, it was very funny because I was someone tweeted me that he's the worst prospect they've ever seen, which is just insane. That's just flat-out incorrect, and also you're going to be proven wrong. But almost immediately, Francisco Alvarez hit the home run, and I said, bing bong, Alvarez, dong. Like, I was just, <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, F you, F you, F you, he's good. Don't do that to me. That was a great moment in the game because Alvarez did have two opportunities with the bases lower than neither time he came through, but then hitting a home run to tie the game, he kind of, you know, uh, everything is forgiven there. And there are, again, there's some there's some worrying things about Francisco Alvarez's start so far that we should point to. The fact he is swinging on the first pitch a lot. Over, 50, over 50% of the time, which does which, make me think he is pressing a tiny bit. He's anxious. He's excited. Yes. He's like, hey, I want to make something happen. And there was one at bat today where he got literally, he got screwed multiple times on strikes. The, the umpires it was the, it was were. The base, it was the bases loaded second yeah. time. Umpires were horrible this series. Horrendous. Like the strike zone was unbelievably huge at times and then unbelievably small at others. Today's strike zone was ridiculous on the other edge. They were giving three inches out there. Yeah. Francisco Alvarez got the brunt of it on a lot of them. So like I could see why he's like, hey, I don't want to let the umpires take the bat out of my hands. There was literally one at bat against Ross Stripling where he could not have had a pitch to hit. It wasn't possible. But then I think we should also point to the fact that Alvarez has looked good defensively, specifically in framing. The Mets yes. spoke in the offseason about how they thought he made strides specifically in framing during this offseason. And right now, baseball savant, it's an imperfect measure, and he hasn't caught that many pitches, but he's an 83rd percentile in frame strikes. That's like stealing strikes for your team. That's a big thing. If like if you would have told me through 15 games for Francisco Alvarez's career that his defense would look really good and the bat would be you know lagging behind, I tell you, oh, wow, I'm ready for that. Because the bat's going to come. There's yes. no doubt the power is real. That home run he hit off Tyler Rogers was ridiculous. Tyler Rogers, since he threw a submarine, he kind of treats his pitches the opposite of most other pitchers do. The fastballs will winds up sinking out of the strike zone and the sliders will winds up like having the vertical rise, like the hoppy thing. So he throws that slider up and out of the strike zone. Like you kind of chase guys high and Alvarez hit that pitch that was like, what was like, what did you think it was? Like five, five feet up in the air? Yeah, oh, it was like at his eyes, like way over the fence. Yeah, and it was after like an at bat where Brett Beatty like saw three pitches and was like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening here. Like this guy is from another play. I'm again, we talked about like an alien. T- Tyler, Tyler, Taylor, which one is he? He's Tyler. Taylor okay. came in. T- also, cool that the Giants, not cool because it's it st- kind of halted the rally besides for my control dropping a fly ball, but good on the Giants for using their second best reliever in the situation, the fourth inning of a game when they realized how tense the situation was. 100%. Yeah, but Tyler Rogers, I mean, he's like an alien. And Brett Beatty saw three pitches and was like, I, I, they were all strikes, but he was like, I don't know what to do with this. And I don't blame him. He's never seen anything like that. And Alvarez just came up as like, first pitch, I'm swinging no matter what. And he he, he hit it, got it. I mean, he hit a home run to left field. I think it was like 96 miles an hour, got out. Big home run, I think, probably just for him to probably whew, take a little bit of a deep breath. Be like, all right. I'm back. I'm here. And I, hopefully this is a sign of good things to come too. Like maybe that's the hit he needed to kind of relax a little bit. And if it's not, it's not like this, he's 21 years old. He's four years. He's, he's four years younger than Adley Rushman. He's a full college experience younger than Adley Rushman. And when Adley Rushman was 21 years old. He was like just stopping to play football. Yeah. He, he stopped being the, uh, the kickoff guy for Oregon state at that point. Yeah. Like the, the, he is young. He's really young for any major league baseball player. And he's really young for a catcher. Francisco Alvarez was born November 19th, 2001. Oh my God. That's so, that's so young. <laughs> he, like he, oh God, he's, he's young. He's young. He's probably one of the youngest players in all of Major League Baseball right now. Oh, 100%. Definitely. And I mean, he's Walker. Yeah. Yeah. And he's getting better at it. So I just, I, again, cautioning all Mets fans to please, please give him a beat because 100%. He, he's going to be good. He needs him to be good. But just to wrap up the road trip in general, Jeff McNeil got really hot in this trip. He got his full season batting lines up back to like 300, 800 for average yep. OPS. Exactly where they're going to be. So that was amazing. And we, like we lost this game, just be kind of feel like because all of what happened this road trip, 10 days, 10 games in 10 days, not that many long starts. Lucchese was only our fourth quality start of the whole season. Then we've only had five guys go past six innings total. Bullpen had a lot on them. Drew Smith threw a changeup against the lefty that got hit in the gap. That happens, whatever. What are you going to do? He's had a great yeah. year. That's what happens sometimes. That's baseball, not to use that term, but that's baseball sometimes. Uh, not going to lose any sleep over that one. Overall, the road trip, huge success. Huge success mm-hmm. for the Mets. What they go? Seven and three on this road trip? Yep. Which I think, I think if you said that 
before the road trip started, everyone would be like, great. It's just that you went seven and one and then lost the last two to make it seven and three. That maybe leaves a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth, but seven and three on a road trip going out West, doesn't matter who you're playing. That's always a successful one. And when you can win those games on the road, especially when you come back home to play the Washington nationals, before we do get going into that though, we do have the estimate. We're going to go ahead and bring in John, John, what do you got for us? Good evening, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Back home, saw that last series, ready to talk about a little estimate here. Yeah, I mean, first of all, what an exciting time for New York sports right now. Uh, The Mets are rolling, got a playoff series going on between two Hudson River River rivals. The Knicks look good, unfortunately, my Brooklyn Nets. uh, Well, yeah, it didn't didn't work out. You know I have to rep the borough, Mark. Come on now. Come on now. That's terrible. How do you just switch like that in the middle of your life? I, I, I never fully committed. That's the thing. And I, I'm proud of that. You know, I was, I was all in before I was even born with the Mets and the Rangers, the Knicks. I never fully committed. I do. Have, what's up? I have here? a question, John. There's yes. a good chance at some point in your life, you wind up moving out to Long Island. Are you going to switch allegiances <laughs> then too? <laughs> it's not the same, man. Like I came to Brooklyn and there was a pride that I, I had. I had never been to Brooklyn before. I lived pretty close to Barclays. Uh, I've spent quite enough time on Long Island. Let me let me put it that way. <laughs> and um, look, I I got nothing against the any team on Long Island. You know, I I don't. I I root for I root for everyone to have fun. You know, and unless it's my team that they're getting directly in the way of. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't want to see the Devils ever have fun, um, or the Yankees. They're they're right there. But yeah, I mean that that whole series is enough to uh, to get me stressed and keep me up all night. It is kind of late at night, so I know that you guys both want to go to sleep. I. Probably past my bedtime as well. So we'll get right into the estimate this week. Uh, Mark, the reigning champion, the three, four, the four former Mets, I should say, combined for six hits in the Mets Giants series. Uh, another former Met coming to town, his first return back to City Field. And of course, I'm talking about Dominic Smith, who uh, obviously signed with the Nationals this past offseason. Trevor Williams also making his return to City Field. Uh, but Trevor Williams will not be hitting, Dominic Smith will be hitting. And that brings us to our estimate topic for this series. Maybe maybe Trevor Williams uses the pinch hitter. You never know if games go long. Um, the estimate topic for this week, and you guys both got to get the thinking caps on here, it's going to be total bases by players who played first base at some point for the Mets in 2022. Okay. So in this series, there are three guys that can make that claim. Obviously, Pete Alonso, who obviously yep. probably is going to jack your totals up here. Yes, a little bit. Ob- obviously, Dominic Smith. And the tricky one is Mark Canna. Those are three of the seven different guys that played first base at one point or another for the Mets last year. Uh, the others, for those at home wondering, Darren Ruff, J.D. Davis, who the Mets just saw, Patrick Mazika, that's the wild card, and, of course, James McCann. <laughs> so that I rounds got- out... I've got my number. I've done some quick math. I, I, I wrote down the numbers that I think each of these guys will have in this series, and I, I like where I'm at. I like where I'm at. James, I'm hearing a lot of writing from James. I got mine, too. Uh, it's the last day of vacation here. The pen is very bad, so I'm writing on a paper towel, but I got my number. You've been writing yes. in your diary? You've been, been writing, lighting the pages on fire? Of course, yeah. That's, what else do I have to do at this point? All right, James, ready? Some, what, James, give me the three favorite things you've done in L.A. Obviously, you saw the Mets win. That's Ooh. great. What else? Yeah. Saw the Mets win. Saw the Max Scherzer mm-hmm. situation live. That was amazing. Um, I went to it and my friends brought me to an amazing taco place in Venice, okay. like in, in, inland a little bit. It's just, it's just LA. The big thing is that people just have these like white tents with big grills making tacos on the street. Huh. This one was on Lincoln Avenue and it was incredible. They were just okay. so freaking good taco tacos on Lincoln. Number two, um, I took an amazing bike ride, like all the way from like Mar Vista, like down this like canal all the way up to the Santa Monica pier and then back. That was amazing. Probably like a seven, eight mile bike ride one day in the sun. I got crazy tan lines right now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I had a towel over my neck, so I was going to the beach after, and I have a very curved like tan line like in the middle of my shoulder right here. Nice. And I've been wearing sandals a lot of this trip because like beach sand, why not? I got a little like, chocolate. Can't be a shoe. Can't be a shoe. No, it can't be a shoe. And I got these like diagonal lines across my feet with tan lines right now. <laughs> and then what else did I do that was good? I did a couple of random things here. Um last Thursday was a fun day. If anyone knew what day that was last Thursday, that was a fun. That was a fun day to that be was, That was Game for. 2 Rangers-Devils. That's what you're talking yeah, about, right? It actually was Game 2 Rangers-Devils. That was a great game to watch. <laughs> yeah. Celebrating a Rangers win. Um, yeah, that was a good one, too. I drove through Beverly Hills. It was the like, first time I ever like, was in L.A. and like actually got to hang out here and had a lot of time to myself. So, like, driving through 
Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills was was really cool too. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff. That's awesome. Well, safe flight back. I'm excited to see you guys. It's been yeah, well, it's been a while since the Mets have played at City Field. It feels like a lifetime ago that the Mets won that uh, afternoon game against the Padres. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you were in a different country, John. So the boys will be back uh, very, very soon in Queens. Very Show soon. numbers? Yeah, yeah Dom numbers. Smith will be here soon. So guys, let's get to it. <laughs> All right. All three, right. three two, two, one. Bang. Ooh, ten. Oh, I love drama. It. Controversy. I almost did 10. I went against the last second. I gave wow. some reasoning to us. Wow. Showing his work. I love, yeah. show, I love showing the work. I had a college Marky professor. Math who I got the answers right and took off points because I got, I didn't show my work. They're like, you didn't show your work. You didn't show it the way that I wanted you to. I'm like, listen, like South Carolina, this is stupid. I learned how to do math up North. We're just a little bit smarter. That's how it works. I'm not going to do it. your slow, stupid way. Why would I show you the way if I get the answer, right? She's like, well, I can't prove that you knew what you were doing. I was like, I got the answer, right? What do you mean? Prove I know what I'm doing. Mark, I know you well. I've known you for a long time. College professors exist to take small points away from your assignments. No, hundred percent. You're you're the antithesis of the college student. For sure, they they love taking points off of my assignments. So my grades, they they weren't great. Beautiful. You got it. You got a you got a top quality education, in South Carolina. Come on now. Oh, I loved it. I had a great yeah. time. Yeah. I just my grades were that great. But John, as always, he's got degrees. He's got degrees, and I'm living proof. As John, as always, it was a pleasure. Thanks for uh, doing the estimate. We'll see you in a couple days at City Field. Looking forward to it, guys. See you soon. Yep. All right, there it is. I'm, I'm sneaking back. I'm sneaking back a little bit into the estimate. You know we're going to make it a game. You know we're going to somehow tie. We still don't have, have the punishment picked out, but we'll we'll get to that at some point. Uh, the leader in the clubhouse right now is being a, f- a full kit wanker for a whole game. Yeah, you got full- to with metal cleats, you got click clack in the in the concourse. As long as the Mets, you think they'll let us through security with metal cleats? We'll probably have to like have someone bring them to the office and change. That's fair, yeah. As long as we, just wear the credentials around, and I think we'll be all right. So oh. let's go ahead and talk about that national series we briefly talked about. Mister Dominic Smith making his return to City Field. Okay, so let me ask you this: Does Dom mm-hmm. get booed, or do people cheer for Dom Smith? What I do think you it's gonna think? be? I think it's gonna be mostly a cheer, a little bit of a boo. Okay, I mean, I think I'll be this. Soft, yeah, I'm a, quiet, quiet, yeah, quiet. Clap. He, he, I'm not gonna match right after them. He came up. He played well sometimes. Played not well other times. Like that's fine. No standing ovation by any means. But I'm I'm not gonna boo Dom Smith. Clap it up. He did have some good moments for us. Some big hits, and you know, again, it just didn't work out for him in the end. But let's talk about the Nationals, who are playing a little hot right now. I think they took yeah. two or three from the Twins, which is making you sweat a little bit because the A's look horrible. Yeah, you're pulling away, and I think this whole A's moving from Oakland to Vegas thing is going to make this team really just fold in themselves. And <laughs> yeah. um, they might they might win 50 games. You think you're gonna? I think I might be taking you out for Peter Luger's in in October. Can't wait. But uh, yeah, this Nationals team is interesting. I think that's the way I'm going to put it because they could they could win a game. Like they're they're not. They could literally win a game. Yeah, they're not, they're not so so awful, but they're definitely not okay yeah and i think this nationals team has a lineup of a lot of players who i'm not going to tell you they're good but i'm gonna tell you they're definitely annoying there's something that they do that will be that could be problematic for sure and one thing about most of hitters in this lineup are they have a lot of free swingers yes between cj abrams luis garcia joy meneses lane thomas this team likes to take hacks so although Luis Garcia, three walks this far through 60 wow. plate appearances this year. So maybe huh. maybe this is a new Luis Garcia, although his numbers have not gotten any better. So maybe you want the free swing in Luis Garcia if you're a Nationals fan. Yeah, it's the same guy. One guy, though, who doesn't take, uh, who doesn't just swing at everything and who hits leadoff in this lineup usually. Someone who's actually jumped out to a pretty good year. Someone who's been a target for me in deeper fantasy leagues. Alex Call. Hmm. Alex Call right now is running a 16% walk rate. He's not hitting the ball very hard, but he's putting it in play a lot. And he's a guy who I'm just really nervous just gets a big hit in the series. And I really don't want him to. Yeah, he I'm could be, say that now. He could be the new Andrew Stevenson. Let's be honest. Is Andrew Dude, Stevenson really, still could, there? I honestly thought about that because I didn't see Andrew Stevenson on this roster. He might be somewhere. I don't Shocking, see him on the because if he's in the injured. national organization, surely he has to be playing. They've also got Stone Garrett, who's been scalding hot for them. Yeah, Stone Garrett has player. been on a tear since getting called up. Also, great baseball name, Stone Garrett. That's a good yeah. one. This team also recently just acquired Jeter Downs. Really? Prospect Jeter Downs is going to be on the bench. Might, might, might get into a game. And old friend Victor Robles has actually kind of played well this year. So far. He's, I mean. Yeah, you know. But, I mean, he's he's like he's learning how to walk, which was a huge thing for Victor Robles. He's up to like 9% while he's only striking out 13% of the time now. So that just that much contact with his as much speed as he has creates a skill with his good defense that he, of course, still has. 
that creates a skill set that's actually a major league baseball player now. There's a lot of little favorites of yours on this team, just like guys that you like a, little, a couple things from, like got Joey Manessis, Joey Baseball. Joey Baseball. We know we know he could swing the bat a little bit. He's been struggling. You got Lane Thomas, who the deep, the, the real listeners of the Mets Sub podcast know about Lane Thomas, and yeah. James has been all over him. He's struggling a little bit to start the year. Yeah, he's going to look great. Jamer Candelario, that's been your guy too. You love some Jamer. Shout out to Bengal as well. For some reason, always a Jamer Candelario guy. He's playing third base every day. But you hear the names that we're saying, and you know yeah. this just isn't a very good team. And also, they have two two former top prospects in the team are also playing okay ball between Kiber Ruiz and CJ Abrams. Like basically, this team isn't good, but the lineup itself is rich with guys who could be major league baseball players. The A's walk all over them. The Nationals, mm-hmm. you still have to play pretty good baseball to beat them. You can't just show up to the park and beat the Nationals. That's how we'll mm-hmm. put it. But if you do show up to the park and play just a little bit of baseball, you should. You should. You shouldn't have a difficult time. And on the mound, they've actually not been bad starting pitching-wise. They've had a couple good starts by guys. One former Met, Trevor Williams, has looked great for this team again. What do you know? Trevor Williams is just kind of solid. Now, the Mets still won the the Trevor Williams PCA trade. Like, uh, there's, no, there's no doubt of that. But he, I mean, he's been good. He was always good. Now, we're going to get into a situation where Monday, the Mets still not named a starting pitcher, right? Well, yeah, because they have the, the off day on Monday. So Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. I mean, Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday is going to be the day, and they don't really have to because now you have that extra off day. So you can almost have your choice between two. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Cause I mean, it would make, like, yeah, we can't, it's not, not our job to speculate, but we know who the Nationals have this series. It's going to be Josiah Gray, who the Mets have hit a lot of home runs off in the past. Mackenzie Gore, who, while he has some things he does well, specifically his breaking ball from the left side to get that velocity back, I'm not really afraid of Mackenzie Gore at all. And then we're going to we're gonna see old friend Trevor Williams Thursday night, hopefully. The thing with Mackenzie Gore, too, is that he doesn't always attack the zone. He's a bit of a nibbler, and he kind of lives around the outside a lot. And for the Mets, who just break pitchers down, have really good at-bats, like even today when Ross Stripling was kind of, kind of grooving at one point, the Mets were still just like making him throw a lot of pitches for a guy who doesn't throw a lot of pitches. Who's a very, like he's a strike thrower. So the, the matchup against Mackenzie Gore, I'm saying it, but like, I, I feel good about that one with the way that this Mets offense works. Yeah. And also just another big part about this nationals team, a real reason that, um, that you probably think that you're going to have a you know, chance against them. I'll read you some of the pitchers in their bullpen right now. Yeah. Read, read me some names. Hobie Harris. Who? Thaddeus Ward. Thaddeus Ward. That these old, are actually two guys I've never heard of. Yeah, old friend Anthony Band, uh, Banda, oh, Rosmo Ramirez, Mason Thompson, closer extraordinaire Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, Mister 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 uh, Punk Rock Hair. Get to these starting pitchers, you probably have a good shot against this bullpen. And Although, I just also realized, was looking online, I think Budo is eligible. No, never mind, never mind, never mind. No, no, that. I don't think Budo is. But yeah, Hunter yeah. Harvey. Although we do know he throws like a hundred, so he does. He does throw 100 miles an hour. But again, Mets should beat the Nationals, should take this series. Obviously, got to go out and play the games. We know that very well. We know the Nationals played a little bit of spoilers last year for us. So I'd really, really love to just beat them, beat them really badly this this upcoming week. We're back home at City Field. Super excited to get back to some games, which will be really nice. It feels like forever, like we talked about with John. Mm-hmm. Haven't, haven't seen James in like two weeks. Haven't no. seen anybody. It's been a long time. So excited to get back to City Field. Hopefully get some wins against the fifth place Washington Nationals. Anything else here to talk about, James, or is it time to wrap it up? That's it. Excited to get back to the city. Ready for it. Let's do it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching this episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Remember to follow us on all our social media at Messed Up, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're looking for the YouTube version of this New York Mets YouTube channel, you'll be able to find that. If you're listening to us, download, subscribe, follow, leave a rating, leave a review, whatever it is. Messed Up, we do appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. Follow me at GiraffeNeckMark with a C. We'll catch you guys after the Washington National Series. Have a good one. Peace. Peace out. See you guys next time.